Welcome to Eyes West, the podcast for movers looking for a new place to live in the American West and the connections to get it done. Here's your host, Dick Crawford. Welcome indeed, everyone. This is Dick Crawford, and this morning's fine introduction was from Sue Masterson from Boulder County and the Front Range in Colorado. Sue and I have trained in the same network for many years, and we have a similar approach to the real estate business. So today's call is a wonderful opportunity for our listeners to get to know Sue and the area that she serves up there in Colorado. If you would like a formal introduction to Sue, simply contact your local agent or you can contact me and uh, they will hook you up with Sue. Thank you for being on the show this morning, Sue. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for, for a while now. I just absolutely love the idea of the front range of Colorado, so I'm very excited to hear about it. Uh, let's jump right in and start with your work. Where are you in your, your real estate career at this point? Uh, sure. I've been a full-time professional realtor in Boulder, Colorado for 21 years. So I started in 1999. I specialize in residential and residential investment real estate. I enjoy my work and my clients immensely, and I feel very grateful to work in such a beautiful area. Yes, you do, and uh, yes, you should be grateful. (laughs) It's it's beautiful up there. Um, Before we go too much further, I always ask a few quick questions to kind of get a little profile on you. What is your approach to the business? I work primarily by referral, I think, as you do as well. Um, And that means that most of my clients are coming to me through recommendations from past clients, coworkers, family members, friends, or their business relationships. And I strive to provide excellent service before, during, and after their sale. So I really do stay in touch with calls and notes and visits and uh, providing uh, vendors and services. Uh, Years after the transaction, you know, someone will still call me for a plumber and, and various things. And I also host client events. When allowed, those have taken a little bit of a different turn this year, but client events to uh, connect uh, my clients together and build some value there and give them new relationships as well. So I really stay in touch long after the closing has happened. It makes it so much more fun that way, doesn't it? It, it makes it yeah. almost more than a business. It's, it's almost a lifestyle, which makes it a lot of fun. As uh, as realtors, we wear a lot of different hats, and sometimes we even joke about it. But um, what what's your favorite hat to wear uh, when you're working with a client? I would say problem solving and negotiation. Uh, just a, a funny little thing. People will often say to me, "Oh, I just love houses. Don't you love houses? Maybe I should be a realtor. Don't you just love houses?" <laughs> and my answer to that is. You know, I don't actually necessarily love houses. They're fine, but what I love is people and their problems. I love the nitty-gritty of figuring out what needs to happen, uh, creatively solving a problem, and then thrive on skillfully negotiating that to facilitate those solutions for the benefit of my client. And that allows you to be pretty objective and not get too wrapped up in, oh, what a gorgeous house or what an adorable house. And that probably allows so. you to be of, of even greater service. That's, that's wonderful. That's, that's a good take on that question. What, what do you do to um, help, your fly, help your clients feel comfortable and engaged in the process? 
Well, I have a very thorough onboarding uh, process for both buyers and sellers. Uh, specifically for buyers, I really educate them about what it takes to successfully procure a home in our market, which is very competitive. So very often seeing three, four, five, seven, ten offers. I had a closing last week where we, there were ten offers that we had to compete against. So I cover the purchase contract and the timeline and all the details of what the deadlines mean at our very first meeting so that they're not hearing it for the very first time when they're sort of feeling under the pressure of making an offer and having to jump through the hoops quickly. I feel like that really helps them be prepared for the competitive situation. And then I have certain strategies that I use to help my clients offer rise to the top of the pack and uh, therefore have a very high success rate of my clients, quote, winning the bid on the house. Um, and I really get them engaged early in that process so that when they're in the moment of split decision, they don't have to learn about it. They've already learned it uh, to know what comes into play to help them get the house. And for sellers, I would say the process is the same, but with different emphasis. I'm educating them about the best actions to prepare and stage a home. Some people think that if it's a seller's market that you can just throw the home up on the market. And I have really found that educating them about how to prepare it, making repairs, bringing in some staging, and then the strategy and timing with which we roll it out and how long we expose it to the market, that all of those things can make a huge difference in the net for the seller. And then I also review a purchase contract with them so that, again, when they're in the situation of having to review seven offers, they already know what the important elements are. And then I would say one thing that I really uh, strive to do is to not tell my clients what to do but rather provide them with a wealth of information and resources so that they can come to their own informed decisions and have full confidence about it. And thereby, you probably have very few surprises during the process because you've really prepared them well. Now, as a brief uh, preface to our conversation today, give me three things you'd like our listeners to learn about your area. What are the kind of an elevator pitch, if you will, for the, uh, okay. for the Boulder area? Well, the Boulder area is geologically beautiful. Uh, we're nestled right up against the Flatirons and the foothills, of, and the, they are the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. We have over 300 days of sunshine a year, and uh, while we do get snow, and occasionally lots of it, it usually doesn't stick around for too long. Um, with the blue skies and the sunshine, people are active here year-round. I don't know, I'm from the Midwest, so just by comparison, when it's 45 degrees and sunny here and bright blue sky, it's still gorgeous to be out and be active. Um, the area is filled with uh, open space for recreation. There's a huge network of hiking, walking, and biking trails. It's a very pet-friendly area with multiple off-leash areas that you can go to with your dog uh, to give them a good run. Uh, University of Colorado is located here in Boulder the main campus, and it also lends to a thriving cultural scene through the university. Our public schools are very highly rated, and though there are private options available, I do want to point out that most children attend public schools here, kindergarten through high school. I have people come from other areas that seem surprised by that, but our public schools are very strong. And then in terms of affordability, Boulder itself is towards the higher end, though you can, I think it's still less than many areas of, of California, and I'm referencing that just because you're from California. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then significantly less expensive homes can certainly be found within 15 to 30 minutes away as you move east or south from Boulder. That was a good elevator speech. Um, I love that. There's a lot of uh, very good things we're going to cover today, and that, uh, that kind of was a good, good preface for us. So you are in the Boulder area. Uh, we call it Boulder County and the Front Range. So be a little more specific about the geographic area, just, you know, just in case somebody's looking at the map and they say, okay, well, what areas are included in this, this, um, this thing you call Boulder County and the Front Range? And maybe you go beyond that. So what, what, what is your geographic range, if you will? So I cover a wide area, uh, Boulder proper, and then all of Boulder County and the surrounding Front Range. And Front Range just sort of means that area, you know, as it spreads north and south along the foothills. Boulder, and then we call it the L-Towns. As you move east from Boulder, you've got Louisville, Lafayette, and Longmont um, that cover those areas. Superior, Erie, uh, Broomfield, and Westminster, and Arvada, those are more like the kind of the northwest suburbs of Denver. And then Lyons up in the foothills uh, towards Rocky Mountain National Park. And then uh, occasionally also uh, east of Highway uh, I-25, Frederick and Firestone, Decono, there are towns out there that have seen uh, quite a bit of growth as the pricing here in Boulder goes up, then people start to begin moving east. And then, of course, the foothills just up out of Boulder as well. Okay. What's your elevation and what's the area like? What can someone expect? You said it's, of course, beautiful there. Uh, with the terrain and such, but go go a little bit more into that. What can people expect? All right. Well, our elevation, of course, Denver is known as the Mile High City, 5280, uh, and we are above that. Um, but the Boulder Valley, uh, um, I think people think of maybe other little mountain towns like Tahoe and think that we're similar, but we're actually kind of right at the edge of the foothills, and we get very quickly very flat as you head uh, out of town to the west, but I'm sorry, to the east, but if you head west out of Boulder, you are immediately climbing into the foothills for pine forests, rock formations, incredible views of of the plains. And then um, parts of Boulder are hilly, but as I said, it flattens out quickly. And then once it goes flat, it's pretty flat all the way to Nebraska. Um, the (laughs) The outlying areas of Boulder, though, are quite nice because um, it's more affordable And then once you get out a little bit further east, then you can see not just the foothills, but you can see the snow-capped mountain views as well. So that's certainly a benefit of being further east is you get more mountain views, and then you also get the sunshine for a little longer in the day. In terms of, you know, what you can expect, it's a, I would call it a very relaxed vibe in our area. Uh, The university lends to that in Boulder, But really, I would say that the area seems to draw folks that are interested in making a difference, being healthy, living in ways that are less destructive to the earth, eating local, fresh food, exercising, and enjoying nature. There is a much higher average number of people with college and post-college degrees here. Um, And then I guess, lest you think that we are too crunchy granola, I would say that there's also plenty of moving and shaking in the tech and biotech and startups. Uh, a lot of activity in outdoor recreation gear and clothing startups and clean energy. So it's, it's uh, kind of a crunchy crowd, but also with, with a lot of drive to, to make changes. 
a crunchy crowd. I'm I'm picking up uh, I'm picking up new terminology from all over the West. So crunchy crowd. I'm gonna write that one down. That's good. Uh, but a, a tech-oriented crunchy crowd, an outdoor activity yes. crunchy crowd. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you mentioned a lot of of activities that are possible. Certainly, you're talking about uh, running around with your dogs in 45 degree sunny weather. Uh, talk a little bit more about that. What what other what other popular activities can someone enjoy during the year? Well, I would say that this is an area of participators, not just spectators. Not that no one loves football here, uh, because certainly some people do, but um, you will see that a lot of people will take their Sundays to be out and about hiking, biking, camping, rock climbing, uh, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, which is as close as 40 minutes away for the the local spot, but then 90 minutes away for many sort of world-class spots. Um, I would say those things top the list. There's also very active youth programs for soccer, baseball, basketball, climbing, nature camp, Legos, coding, um, and just about everything else. And then we're just 30 minutes away from Denver. So the Broncos, Rockies, Nuggets, uh, those are the stars there. Um, And then uh, culturally, Boulder has uh, Bands on the Bricks concert series in the summer down on our Pearl Street Mall, uh, Boulder Creek Arts Festival, uh, they have twice weekly farmers markets, and then the surrounding towns, Louisville, Lafayette, Erie, uh, they almost all have uh, street fairs, local concerts, farmers markets, and um, kind of an emphasis on, on getting people out. And the entire Front Range also, just to mention, has an abundance of breweries. So if that suits your palate, there's a lot to be found here for that. I think that's one of the first things I think of when I think of the Boulder area is is some of the breweries. <laughs> Uh, isn't isn't that the original uh, the original headquarters, if you will, for Coors? Is that correct? Um, well, Golden, which is oh, just Golden. A, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that is that close yeah. by? No, no. You're more likely to find kind of the the small batch independent breweries here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Golden's about about twenty twenty five minutes away. Okay. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't mention Coors in the same sentences as microbreweries. <laughs> Uh, I, I, hope, I hope people don't completely trash my uh, my podcast because of that faux pas. Um, but but it's the water. It is the water. Correct. It makes that's, makes that's for what they say. for make, makes for good beer. Well, that, that was interesting when you you were talking about all the different things to do in Boulder, and it was um, juxtaposed with the idea that it's only a half an hour away from Denver. So a good combination of big city stuff and and get out and do stuff in the hills uh, kind of activity. So that's that's a nice combination. You I, are so- I agree. Okay. I mean, Boulder has about 107,000 people, So um, and the county is about, I think, 320,000 maybe. So, um, you know, it's a, sort of a small-town feel, and that you've got Denver just 30 minutes away. Okay, so... This is a real softball question, is why do people relocate to your area? What are their reasons? And, and you know, there's all kinds of different reasons, but you gave a ton of, of wonderful outdoor stuff, and you mentioned the tech firms. What other reasons are people relocating? So uh, Boulder has always attracted, uh, I guess, I think I learned this from a friend of mine in Austin. He called it the creative class, folks that can actually just work from anywhere. So they choose the, Boldy and, uh, the beauty and the active lifestyle of Boulder 
um, to surround themselves with. So uh, there's a fair amount of that, people that can just work from anywhere. And I feel like since COVID, perhaps that's even increasing. Uh, the outdoor and healthy living focus draws people here. We see a lot of active retirees, as well as families looking for a change from more urban environments. So um, the fact that people can come here with their family and feel comfortable of them you know, out in the neighborhood and attending public versus private school, I feel like that does draw families in. And you know, the, the smaller town atmosphere, but still with the services and amenities, I think that's appealing to people. That's a good combination. And what about the employment outlook? Are there, are there bigger name employers or is it a pretty, just a solid base of, of medium-sized companies? Uh, no, absolutely. We have a, a range. We have a good number of tech and biotech firms, both startups and established, that bring newcomers in. Uh, we have Google, Facebook, IBM, of course the university, and then a number of governmental agencies such as National Center for Atmospheric Research, National Institute of Standards and Technologies, National Oceanic, uh, Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. So those are three huge employers that bring in a lot of uh, science and tech as well. Um, those are all major employers. And then the outdoor gear and natural food companies are well-rooted here as well. And so it sounds like you have a pretty good mix of new people uh, coming in, uh, retirees, professionals, families. Is that a fair assumption? Yes. And how does a new resident get involved in the community? They can certainly run around with their dog, uh, but what about community activities and such? What, what kind of opportunities are there for, for volunteers and, and being active in retirement? Yeah, and I would say that each area has its own flavor and own needs, uh, but there are strong community programs in the area to do things like serve meals or provide clothing and school supplies to those in need. Um, uh, from and then also, like from the Boulder International Film Festival to the CEU Conference on World Affairs, there's opportunities to support the arts and cultural understanding. The local Humane Society is a very large animal shelter that relies heavily on volunteers. Uh, Expand and Imagine are a couple groups that offer opportunities to assist developmentally delayed children and adults grow through new experiences. Uh, there's also a number of programs to help blind skiers and disabled skiers, and I've, got, I've had a few clients involved in that. Pretty neat program. There's always volunteers on trail reconstruction to be done with the open space and mountain parks. Mm -hmm. And then there's a pretty neat program for the Boulder County Youth Corps as well, which is a, a popular program for teens where uh, they can spend the summer learning about trails maintenance and ecology and, and working on whatever the, the city and county need them to do. So a wide range of volunteer opportunities. Let's talk about, about growth for a minute. Uh, you do have a, do have a lot of big companies in there, and you've got a big draw for a lot of different reasons. How are regional services keeping up with, with the growth? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, uh, especially during COVID. We are currently allowing only outdoor dining. So I, I don't believe, and this is just my own thoughts, I don't have any data on this, but I don't feel like we're seeing a lot of new restaurants or stores opening because many are, are just kind of in a holding pattern. But in general, the Boulder region has always had rock-solid employment and a very strong local economy. 
Our area has a wealth of local or local chain restaurants versus big national chains. Uh, local, there's several local art co-ops, uh, well-established and local shops as opposed to big box stores. Not that they don't exist, but there's, there's a nice selection of businesses to support that are locally based. Our main hospital system, Boulder Community Hospital, is one of the few local board-managed hospital systems uh, remaining. There's almost none in our state anymore, and I think, I think it's kind of a waning thing, which I think lends to the strength of the community. Hmm. Um, each town and all of Boulder County have strong budgets for parks and rec. That's a big focus. School bonds in the past, I don't know, seven to eight years have brought updates to most of our local schools because a lot of them you know, saw a big growth spurt in the 60s, so a lot of them have gotten facelifts and updates. Um, we have several small regional airports, uh, but also we're just 42 miles to Denver International Airport. And I feel that I should point out here that when we talk in miles uh, in our area, the translation to minutes is not that significant uh, or not that significantly different. So, for example, DIA, Denver International Airport, is 42 miles away, and that is truly 45 minutes away. Right. Yeah. Good. So if you're, it could, if you're it could be three hours. Like a, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I just wanted to make that comparison. You know, not that we don't ever have commuting traffic at those times, but if you're kind of headed across the state to get somewhere, the traffic is is yeah. not the same as it is in California. You can pretty much count on 55 mile an hour average. It sounds like. This is the point in the program where I make the quip that, that retirees just want internet, healthcare, and a good airport. And good weather is, is nice to as mm -hmm. icing on the cake. But it uh, sounds like you've got all of that and a little bit more. And that's I think, is what really drives a lot of, of retirees' um, decisions. Um, they want mm -hmm. the airport so they can get to, get to see family wherever they are. And, of course, you know, healthcare and internet goes without saying. So I, I would imagine there's not a whole lot of congestion in your town, although it might be a relative congestion. Yeah, I, th I think it's relative. Um, Boulder, again, being nestled up against the foothills, it doesn't have you know a beltway around it or a bypass on a gorgeous summer day or a nice fall day when the leaves are changing. Uh, people from Denver are driving on Highway 36 up to Rocky Mountain National Park, and that is going right through Boulder. So it, it's not to say there's no traffic, but compared to the California highways, freeways, yeah. uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly much more open. Yeah. It is free-flowing. Okay, yeah. uh, speaking of traffic, what's the cost of a gallon of gas today, do you know? I'd say two fifteen, two twenty. So that's, uh, that's about a dollar less than California, and it's right about the national yeah. average. How, how about property taxes? They're, they can be a big deal. They are a big deal in California. We've come up with all kinds of different ways to tax ourselves, but I know they can vary quite a bit around the West. What do you, mm -hmm. What's your, your base property tax rate? Right. So we have an assessment rate and a mill levy, so it get, the calculations get a bit more complicated, but I hear from nearly everyone that moves here that the taxes are lower here than what they have experienced. Um, that's certainly true if they're coming from the Northeast, but I think uh, compared to a lot of places. So just for example, a $500,000 home has an annual tax of anywhere between 1700 to maybe 3200 And then for a million-dollar home, uh, maybe 4500 to 5500 maybe up to 6000 
that that seems uh, right off the top of my head. That seems like half, because uh, we're at one percent base. So a million dollar home uh, would be what ten thousand dollars a year. Is that right? Um, so that's not bad at all. Right. Southern California uh, home prices can average anywhere from $700,000 to well over a million um, on average, uh, depending upon what city you're in from L.A. down to San Diego. Uh, mm -hmm. What's your local median or average price? Or Give me some examples of, of how that is in your town. In Boulder proper, and I do want to just, I'll give some different stats here just because the city of Boulder is going to be your most expensive spot. So in Boulder proper, the average home price is right around $1.2 million. But the median is more like 975 to 990 um, And you can get, say, a 2,000 to 2,500 square foot home with three to four bedrooms, two baths, um, between 750 and 900 But a million, that, that might be in just sort of average condition. A million to a million five would get you either more square footage, bedrooms and baths, and likely a two-car garage versus a one-car garage. Um, or it may be smaller, but on open space with direct trail access. So in our area, we certainly tend uh, not to speak in price per square foot because the pricing is so dependent on location and setting. So a home on open space, which there is a lot of, um, meaning uh, the county and city of Boulder purchase tracts of land when it becomes available. So it keeps these towns sort of separated by a buffer of open, sta open space, mm -hmm. nice. which is nice to have it for the recreation, but it does kind of keep the prices up. Yes. Um, so a home on open space may sell for two hundred fifty more, uh, 250000 more than its counterpart two blocks away. Right, so mountain wow. views, proximity to the downtown, or direct trail access will dramatically increase the price. You got to know what you want, and you got to be ready to pay for it. That's uh, in a <laughs> sense that's no different than anywhere yeah. else. But that's a very yeah. interesting, um, very interesting comparisons just within your own town. Right, and East Boulder, for example, but still in Boulder proper, can be you know 150 thousand less than uh, South Boulder, which is close the foothills, right? So it, it does make a difference where you are. And then for Boulder County, the average goes down. The average is 750000 Well, the median is six eighty. But keep in mind, Boulder County stats will include Boulder itself. So that does bring it up. So if you're in Longmont or Lafayette, that kind of money is going to get you a 4,500-square-foot house with a walkout basement, mountain views, three-car garage, whereas in Boulder proper, 750000 will get you a, a three-bedroom, two-bath college rental type home. And then um, 500, I think you asked the question, what would 500000 get you? You know, in Boulder, that would be a, a two- to three-bedroom condo. But as you move out, you could get a single-family home in Lafayette, Longmont, Erie, the North Denver Metro. 500000 would get you probably a 3,000-square-foot home with the amenities that most people will expect. So it's doable. It's a range. It's a definitely mm -hmm. a range. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. All within a pretty pretty close proximity to each other too, as you say, depending upon location. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, if the cities are buying up the open space and such, what about new construction? Is that uh, pretty tight? How's that working? 
Specifically, I would say there's a shortage of new construction, and Boulder has very little of it. Boulder proper is only seeing infill projects just because there's no space to expand. And again, part of the reason for that is buying up the, the land for open space. Um, there, there's certainly more new construction in areas east and south. It's such a huge range, but I would say ranging from 450,000 to 800,000 and up. So in the 450 to 600 range, you'll probably get three to four bedrooms, two to three baths, and be within 30 minutes of Boulder. Then for 600,000 to 800,000, you could get into four to five bedrooms, four baths, maybe up to 5,000 square feet. Um, but if you want to be within 20 minutes of Boulder, the size of the price will go down. I mean, sorry, sorry, the size of the home will go down. The size of the lot will go down, but you'll be closer in. But in general, having a tough time keeping up with demand because there's just not a lot of land. Is that the idea? Correct. There's okay. not a lot of new building going on. So yeah. the biggest areas for new builds um, would be Longmont. Uh, they're pretty uh, unrestricted in terms of expanding. And then as you move east in Erie and then just across I-25, then those towns, Frederick and Firestone, are exploding with new construction. Okay, there's your clue, people, right there. Rewind that back about 20 seconds and listen to that one again. Now, how can, a, how can you help an out-of-town out of buyer with new construction? Is that, a, is that something that you pursue? What, what's your approach to that? Yeah, absolutely. I strive to over-communicate so that my clients always know just exactly where things stand. Um, I build a good rapport with the sales staff and send regular updates. I'll also visit the property for them at certain milestones if needed, if they're not, you know, if they're not present to do the drywall walk or the electrical walk. Um, I can certainly uh, attend that and keep them informed or, or video updates. We have, it, it seems to me, I've never practiced real estate in any other state, but I do feel that we have a very respectful sort of builder-realtor relationship. So it's a nice environment to work in. And um, the the builders' agents tend to keep keep the buyers very well informed as well. That's good. That, that to me is the only way to do it, but you don't always find it that way. That's nice mm -hmm. to hear. Can a buyer find a rental for a few months uh, before they buy or while their, their home under construction is completed, or is the rental market pretty tight also? Yeah, I think it's reasonable to find a rental here. Many will require a 12-month lease. But there are a variety of shorter-term options available, though usually that's at a greater monthly cost, um, meaning that you'll pay more per month if you're only doing a six-month lease. Uh, many of my clients have stayed in an Airbnb or similar if they really think they just need uh, a month or two. Or a lot of people will go for a 12-month lease, but just make sure that they have the option to maybe back out of it with one extra month's rent. You might not be able to find a rental exactly where you think you want to be. You might have to be further out. But some people actually do use it to uh, find a rental directly in the school area that they choose to attend, or they say, just for fun, we're going to rent a place downtown even though we're looking for acreage. You know, so it, it, it varies what people do, but it's, it's not impossible to find a good rental here. Now, that's that's good because it it um, I think it can be a lot of fun as you mentioned to to rent somewhere where you're not not going to buy because you get a flavor for that area too. As long as the market will support that idea, that's it's fun to do it that way. 
Do you have any advice for out-of-state buyers coming in your direction? You know, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about that is really plan some extra days if you can afford it. Plan a day to drive the areas and to wander around a bit. Um, you can really get a great feel for the different areas that way. People are, seem to be all about Boulder, and yet the, the nearby surrounding towns have the cutest little old town areas where they've got great shops and restaurants and breweries, and uh, you can always find parking and that, that kind of thing. So there's, there's lots of great things to be had in all the different towns. And then also, you know, allowing some time to really experience some things that are, are easy to do here, like pop up to Rocky Mountain National Park or take a drive up Boulder Canyon to the cute little town of Nederland, spend some time on the Pearl Street Mall. All of those things, I feel like often when people come to town, they have their interview one day and then they're leaving the next day at five, right? So it just, it mm. doesn't really allow time for them to explore the area. The other important thing, if schools are of interest for you, then I always recommend that people try to research ahead of time. Uh, some of the schools require an appointment uh, with notice in order to take a tour. Sometimes people will get here and expect to be able to walk the school, and they can't do it, especially if it's in the summer. And then I would say make sure your realtor understands what your top needs and wants are and why certain areas are more or less important to you. And that way, you know, we can help you zero in more quickly on the different areas and the, and the homes. And then certainly, Dick, if, if your clients have questions about Colorado, I'd be happy to help. We have a, we have a pretty user-friendly system within the multiple listing system. So it really gives me an easy way to get people set up to watch the market and learn about the area before they even get here. Well, I, I think, too, just being there to, as you say, take some time and, and look around and, and uh, check things out, oftentimes you come up with something new. It's like, wow, I didn't even know that, or, oh, my gosh, that's a, a more um, available option than I thought it would be. And, and you end up, sometimes you end up changing your, your hierarchy, if you will, of wants. Your needs might not change, but your wants might change uh, simply because of some new new information that you get from driving around and, and taking a look, you know, taking a close look at things. So always a good time to allow some more time for it. Well, uh, Sue, this has been a joy and very informative. I really appreciate all the information. You're, you, um, you covered a lot of territory for us, and that's very important. I really appreciate that. Uh, and all of it very well said. I, I just love learning more about all of our network agents. Uh, being in the, the same same coaching network, we we are comfortable with each other, but a lot of times we don't know each other as well as we would like. And I really enjoy this time with you. And I loved learning a little bit more about the um, Boulder County area in the Front Range. Being 30 minutes from Denver, and I think you said 42 minutes from Denver International Airport. That's, that's 42 something to miles, yeah. 42 miles, 45 minutes. Um, that's, that, that's something to, uh, to really remember because it might be 30, 40 minutes away, but it's a world away. And that's, mm -hmm. some, that's what people are looking for these days. They want more space and they want a variety. So sounds like uh, your area can improve it. Well, I hope uh, you enjoyed being on the show. I certainly enjoyed having you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dick. I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sue Masterson from Boulder County and the Front Range in Colorado. And you can certainly tell she is an experienced professional and very organized and very well well versed in her area. And she's ready to help you land on both feet in the Boulder County and the Front Range area. If you would like me to introduce you formally to Sue, as I mentioned, please feel free to contact me or your local agent and we will be happy to hook you up. And to understand the value of using a realtor who is known to me and my colleagues, listen to the first episode of Eyes West. It's called the Eyes West Resource, way down on the bottom of the list as the first episode. And to learn a little bit more about me, you can Google me as Dick Crawford Realtor. I'm always available for your real estate needs here in North Orange County, and I have trustworthy colleagues throughout Southern California who can help you in areas that I don't serve. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, be good, be well, and be safe. Take care.